Welcome to Neo Chats, an interview-style podcast focusing on educating neonatal nurses, caring for newborns and their families, hosted by Jenna Morton. It is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses, a nonprofit organization committed to the health and well-being of newborns and their families. Learning to properly face our stress and try to mitigate it is an important piece of the puzzle when it comes to our overall health, well-being, and job satisfaction. On this episode of Neo Chats, we dive into the world of mindfulness and how meditation can work to manage our stress. To explore this topic, I'm joined by Sandy Andriachuk. Sandy holds a master's in nursing and a master's in bioethics. She spent more than 20 years as a neonatal nurse practitioner before transitioning to a career as a healthcare ethicist. Her primary focus is on end-of-life care planning. She's a master trainer in serious illness conversations, co-founder of Ontario's Stable Program, which helps educate healthcare professionals on caring for critically ill newborns. She's also the founder of Quality Life Planning, an end-of-life consulting service based in Hamilton, and a huge proponent of mindfulness and meditation. Welcome to Neo Chats. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very, very excited for this conversation, and I'd like to start by knowing what really drew you to mindfulness and meditation? Well, that's a great question to start with. I have a long-standing history in healthcare. I worked in an environment that was very high-stressed, a lot of activity, a lot of um, um, suffering that happened with patients. Um, As you know, I used to be a neonatal nurse practitioner for many years in the NICU at McMaster Children's. And during that process, I began to explore more around bioethics um, and ethical practice, um, mostly because of the influence of the babies um, and all of the challenging ethical dilemmas that happen in the NICU. And so from there, I transitioned to to become an organizational and clinical ethicist. Um, And in that line of work, I was exposed to even more suffering across the healthcare spectrum. Um, And... The idea of suffering doesn't just um, gen- isn't just generated from our work environment. Um, as you know, patients and families um, uh, suffer as well through many health issues. And so, as an ethicist, I was called into situations where there was a lot of moral distress, there was a lot of suffering, um, and I happened to be in a program that really paid attention to the idea of suffering and health and wellness. And so um, from that, we have to consider how we address the suffering that we encounter in our lives and in our work environments and and with our families and and within ourselves. And so this idea of mindfulness meditation and building resilience has begun to really infiltrate the way in which we practice in healthcare and, and practice as individuals. And so this caught my attention as a strategy on how to manage stressful situations and suffering that we encounter. Um, And so I happen to be part of a program that really focused on that in our ethics department. So that's sort of the long and short of how I ended up sort of where I am today when it comes to mindfulness and meditation practice. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit from a personal point of view of how diving into that and learning about it has impacted you? I think that um, I, over the years, have become more adaptable to what is happening in the environment around me. And and by that, I mean 
that I'm able to take a step back from the situations that I find myself in, recognize when my emotions are starting to either elevate or really decline. Um, And by decline, I mean to the point where you become almost apathetic, like you become frozen or you you have a sense of um, detachment to situations. So there's sort of those, those extremes that you can feel in emotions. And when we hit those extremes, it's not a good thing. It's sort of like our fight, flight, or freeze mode that we find ourselves in. And so, you know, really wanting to be present in, in, in my work environment and in my, in my relationships in my life and, and recognizing that sometimes we're drawn away from the present moment and, ha- and that can happen often throughout a day. And so how do you really become present with the person in front of you and be able to lean into that suffering? And it is really about rewiring our brain to be able to manage those stressful situations. And so that's where I found um, benefit in in being um, mindful. And and by that, I mean being present and being being a good listener and allowing myself to um, lean into that suffering that I was experiencing with others around me and really being available for them. And that came through my mindfulness practice. That was, you know, a strategy, um, if you will, that I utilized in because I felt it was a healthy way to deal with stress and anxiety and and, um, um, pressures that I was feeling in my line of work as an ethicist. For people who maybe aren't fully aware, can you go through some of that science of, of how you are rewiring your brain in these situations? So recently, I would say in the last 10 decades, there's been a lot of studies that have looked at this idea of mindfulness-based stress reduction. So how does mindfulness reduce stress um, and our our response to stress? Um, And and also, we started to look at the neuroplasticity of the brain. So the the brain's way to rewire itself um, or how it wires itself when we're faced with stressful situations. And so this idea of being exposed to events or situations that cause trauma, whether they be little bits of trauma or big, big trauma, um, and this trauma causes our emotions to fluctuate. And so our brain goes into this idea of fight or flight or freeze. And a lot of people have heard that term, right? Fight or flight. And, you know, we go back to the um, caveman where, you know, our biological sequencing said there's a tiger, let's, let's fight. And that's our anger. And that's our aggression, or let's flee, let's get out of here, we can't handle this situation. And then there's also that situation where you don't even know what to do anymore, and you completely freeze. And so this is, you know, our response to physical or emotional threat or danger. And in, and there's a process or there's a part of our brain, the, um, the amygdala, the amygdala part of our brain, um, that, uh, will, um, respond by putting out certain hormones. So it, it, uh, releases chemicals like adrenaline and, and, um, uh, cortisol. And these hormones actually block the effectiveness of parts of our brain, um, such as the hippocampus that can respond to stressful situations in a, um, in a, in a, uh, an effective way in a patterned way. So when we have this stress and we have this release of, of hormones or, or cortisol and, and, um, 
um, the the different chemicals that are released, it stops the brain doing what it's supposed to do, which is to respond effectively to stressful situations. And so when we think about trying to prevent that from happening, that's this idea of rewiring our brain and doing certain things that will have a more effective response to the stress around us. And so this is this idea of, um, you know, how we can uh, respond to this fight, flight, or freeze in such a way that we're utilizing effective strategies. And so that's where mindfulness and meditation come in to help rewire the brain to respond differently to these stressful situations. And how do you take that idea and make it something that an NICU nurse can use in day-to-day life? If I take a step back and talk about this important concept called the window of tolerance. So the window of of tolerance is this emotional window. Um, And it's when we can move up and down and still be functional and and flexible in in our ways, right? So we can can, um, endure stressful events, but still be able to manage through them. And so when I think about an NICU nurse, I think about all the stressful events that happen in, in the day. And so, you know, we have this idea of um, either vicarious trauma or moral distress. And, and I know you've had a couple of people on your, on your podcast that have talked about that. Um, and, and so the one thing that I did recognize as a neonatal nurse was that it's not just about moral distress. It's not about the idea of knowing what the right thing is to do, but not having the tools or having barriers to doing the right thing. Because sometimes suffering is just suffering. Suffering is just a sad situation, a painful event that you're witnessing somebody go through, or you and your team are going through that yourself. You know it's the right thing, but it's still sad. It still really sucks. And so that those little things in our day-to-day that sometimes go unrecognized because it's like, it's just part of the job. It's just, just deal with it. Just, just manage it. Go home and have a glass of wine and you'll be fine. But the reality is that's not an effective strategy. And that actually can create more problems for us, more stress, more, more illness, more, um, uh, more troubling things to have to overcome. And so how do we manage this window of tolerance? And what that means is our ability, the area in which we're able to cope with stress. And so when we think about this window, the top line is this idea of where we're really hyper aroused and we are panicky, we're agitated, uh, we feel impulsive, we might be angry, we might feel overwhelmed. And then the bottom line is this hypo arousal where we feel no energy, we can't um, get through the day, we feel depressed, we're numb, we feel helpless. And so there is this portion in between, which is called sort of the sweet spot or the zone we want to be in. And the more we engage and become fully present and, and utilize strategies to open up that window, the more we're able to cope without getting to that hyper or hypo state where we can't function. And so our, our efforts are to try and open that window so that, so that we can cope better, so that we have strategies that are, are effective. Um, and that we build capacity and, uh, within that window and we're more receptive um, to the things that are, are causing us to become reactive or causing us to shut down. And so that's when we talk about this neuroplasticity or the ability of the brain to reorganize itself 
you know, both structurally, but also emotionally um, in order to, to cope. And so there's this great program that um, has been developed, um, and it's through colleagues of mine, um, Dr. Andrea Frolick and Diana Tickets from Hamilton Health Sciences, um, and they developed this idea of P, um, PRN. So in healthcare, we all know PRN is as needed. But PRN um, in this program is actually when we pause, we reset and we nourish. And so to do steps, so, so concrete steps that can bring us closer to opening up this window of tolerance. It's such a fantastic visual. You can see that idea of opening this window so that you, you have greater capacity. It, it's just fantastic. What, what goes into that? opening of the window? The, the ultimate goal for opening up this window is to build more resilience, right? So we want to build more resilience, which is the active process of developing skills to respond to stressful situations and adversity. Um, it's really about handling whatever comes our way to be more adaptive. And so really it requires a conscious choice of um, developing coping strategies or survival strategies to make things turn out well for ourselves. Um, and I always, often think about that definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting diff different results. So we have to um, pause. We have to pause and say, what's causing me to feel stressful in this situation? And there's this opportunity be between when um, a stressful event comes in or emotional trauma comes in and when we react to that trauma. And that's the moment of pause. That's the moment where we say, what's happening right now? How am I feeling emotionally? And where do I go from here? And so if we can learn to take a second to pause before we react, that's an opportunity to make change. And so when we think about the idea of pausing, that's where we have this opportunity to reflect, right? We have this opportunity to, to do some self-reflection, to think about what's important to me right now, what is meaningful in my life, what, is, what are the things that have drawn me to this job, this profession that I'm in, and start to gather on the good things, right? Um, and you, you often hear like the 10 second rule, or the, I think it's called the 24 hour rule in sports where you have to pause for 24 hours um, before you contact the coach and, you know, tell them that you're ticked off that they didn't play your, your, your son for the entire game um, or whatever the problem might be, but it's a good strategy, right? And this, this was developed a long time ago. And so we know that we can't pause for 24 hours in healthcare, but sometimes if it's even for a moment, or if you feel that stress response, your palms are getting sweaty, you're getting more tense, your heart rate's elevating, you feel that you're perspiring, you know, to pause and say, where's this coming from? And then the next step is to, um, to reset. So how do I reset at this moment? What are the things that I can do to reset? And these are the small things that you start to do that really help you feel more steady. Um, it's feeling grounded and centered um, and and recognizing that I need to make um, uh, some type of, of um, I need to create some type of strategy to help me at this moment. And this is where mindfulness comes in. This is where the idea of, of uh, a, a consistent mindfulness practice will help 
to rewire that those those neurons that are firing in our brain to 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 have a different response to stress. So instead of a reactive response, we now can have a more reflective response to say, what can I do in this moment to make myself feel more in control to be aware of my reaction, be aware of, uh, of my interaction with the person in front of me or with the situation that's going on. And I know that you had Dr. Joanna Humphreys that talked about the ice cream rounds or what we're calling now the wellness rounds. Um, and that's the idea of bringing mindfulness right into the unit. Now, in, in Dr. Humphrey's strategy, it's often during very traumatic situations, right? Like she talked about the idea of moral distress and trauma that the team has faced. And, and being a palliative physician, we know a lot of trauma happens around death and dying. And so, but, but my suggestion would be to take those strategies and individually even do it for yourself. So maybe, you know, step aside for a moment and go for a, a, a brief walk and practice deep breathing, practice being conscious and aware of your breath, being aware of how you're feeling at that moment, um, and, and, and be kind to yourself and recognize that this is a normal um, emotion or a normal event that happens in all of, in all of us, this idea of suffering. Um, and so that idea of kindness and, and being able to reset through the idea of mindfulness and meditation is a really important aspect of this, of the whole PRN. So pause, reset, so mindfulness um, practice. And, and the, the next thing is to uh, nourish. So to nourish yourself. And this is not just about in stressful situations, but this is about daily practice, right? Doing something daily to nourish your soul. And, you know, we often hear the idea and there's this buzzword around gratitude, but there's, there's real benefit in once a day looking at your life and saying, what am I grateful for today? And it doesn't take more than a second to do that, but it helps you recognize the things that are great in your life, the things that you're happy about, the things that bring you joy, that, that, that help you get through the day. And that's important because we need to um, look at at life and say, you know, what is good about life? What what is positive? And sometimes when we're in really dark, deep spaces, it's hard to do that. But if we get into that practice of of being mindful of meditation, of daily gratitude, of um, drawing on the people and places in our lives that do bring us joy, that's going to really bring us a long way. And that's that that idea of nourishing our soul, nourishing ourselves so that we can continue to move forward in a good, positive way. I think there's still some misconceptions out there when we say those words, mindfulness and meditation. What do you want people to think of when they hear those words and, and understand? So let me start with some of the myths. So if the goal isn't to relax in mindfulness, like a lot of people think I'm going to do a meditation practice and I'm going to fall asleep in that. That's great. Your body might need that at that moment when you're doing a, a meditation. And if you fall asleep, the one thing you shouldn't do is wake up and say, oh, I blew it. I didn't do it right this time. You did it exactly how your body needed you to do it. Your body told you what it needed and you need to be able to give in to that. So if there's nothing wrong with falling asleep or feeling very relaxed, but that shouldn't be the goal of, of mindfulness or meditation. Um, 
it isn't to quiet your mind. And, you know, a, a lot of people will say to me, well, I can't do meditation because I can't think of nothing. My mind is buzzing. My mind is running around. I'm thinking of all kinds of things. And that's okay. The practice is about recognizing the things that are coming into your brain, looking at the patterns. What are you constantly thinking about? Are you thinking about the future or are you often looking at the past? And we can learn a lot about ourselves just by paying attention to our thoughts and what's coming up for us. And it's okay to say, okay, right now I'm thinking about all the bills I have to pay. I need to let that go. Okay, now I'm thinking about when I'm going to get my break. I need to let that go. That's stressing me. I, I see that that's what is happening. I need to give myself a moment and let that go. And so there's things that will come up as we're in, in our own silence, which are telling and teaching us something. So that's a good thing. Um, the, the next thing is that people will say, well, you know, I'm a novice at this. I haven't practiced for years like you have. And so how can I possibly get to the point of, of um, you know, this, this idea of euphoria? Um, and, and that's really, again, not, not the, the point. The point isn't to, to um, set an intention to get somewhere. The point is just to be, just to allow ourselves to be in that space. And, and you don't have to practice for years to, to have benefit from meditation. Um, the next is I don't have enough time. Um, I can I can easily do a, a meditation practice in one minute and to to reset myself. And I will often find myself at my desk doing a this breath, and I'm like, oh, that breath has come up. That's often a breath to me that tells me I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling exhausted. So let me plant my feet on the ground. Let me put my hands on my lap and let me pay attention to my breath for just a minute to recenter and reset myself. <clears throat> so there's a lot of myths, but really what we're trying to accomplish in mindfulness is to be able to bring our full attention to the moment <clears throat> by the experience as it unfolds around us. Um, it <clears throat> really is about being open and curious and non-judgmental. Um, we want to have um, a conscious awareness and direction of, of what our purpose is and, and, and how we're feeling at that moment. Um, it really is not just about letting go, um, although that's important, but also <clears throat> letting things be as they are and experiencing things as they are. I'm wondering what you would like people to, to really take away from this conversation today? It is really about um, noticing what is the here and now and acknowledging the small things that will help replenish us. Um, there's one practice that, that I really, really draw on for in my mindfulness practice. Um, and that is the idea of self-compassion. And it really is about being mindful, about understanding common humanity, and about being kind to ourselves. So that idea of mindful is becoming aware of the emotions that we're feeling, being able to label them, and to just notice them. And the idea of common humanity is about identifying feelings as normal. And it's just a normal human experience that we're going through and that suffering is part of life. And then the idea of kindness is to treat ourselves with loving kindness, with, with this ability to be gentle to ourselves, to care for ourselves, um, and 
you know, to this idea of may I be kind to myself and, and, and looking after ourselves and being forgiving of things that might, might come up. And so that idea that I think that's something that is really um, an important um, element in, in the idea of, of coping and getting through the day and helping to create some good strategies for ourselves. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to share? I really want to share my admiration um, for all the neonatal nurses that are out there and their colleagues, their physician colleagues, their respiratory therapists, social workers, the leaders in that field. It is a very difficult um, area of medicine to work in. There is a lot of stress. There's a lot of vicarious trauma and suffering, and we have to acknowledge it for what it is. Um, And I think one of the key messages to the, our health leaders is that building resilience is not about telling somebody what to do and sending them off to go do it. It's about building structures within organizations to support people to build resiliency and to have opportunities within their day through structured and instruct and unstructured opportunities to practice these strategies that are going to build that resiliency. And mindfulness meditation is one of them. There's many other strategies, but um, uh, that's what I'm speaking to you about today. So that's, that's the one strategy that I have found very helpful and important. Um, but certainly there's other strategies, but it comes from all of us. It's, it, it's all of our responsibility um, to support one another. So stress Suffering happens. It's not our fault, but it is our responsibility to be able to address it effectively and to really open up that window of tolerance for ourselves. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. It's been a fantastic conversation. Great. Oh, I'm glad that you uh, enjoyed our discussion today. Thank you. Sandy Andriachuk is the founder of Quality Life Planning, an end-of-life consulting service in Hamilton, Ontario. She is a practicing hospice nurse and healthcare ethicist. Our next episode will feature a guided meditation by Sandra's colleague, Dr. Jackie Yang. Please be sure to make time to listen to her meditation meant to facilitate relaxation and restoration so you may reduce your stress and improve mental resilience. NeoChats is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses. Thank you to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes, for sponsoring NeoChats. The content producer and host is Jenna Morton. Technical production by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub. For more information on the association, visit our website at www.neonatalcan.ca or our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages. 